Lord Jesus, you enter into the darkest of places, even unto death. And so we pray that you would manifest yourself even now, uh, that your light might shine, and that our hearts might be set free. In Jesus' name, amen. has placed this wonderful little prayer here in the middle of his letter to the Ephesians. And in just a few verses, we find incredible encouragement in his petitions to God on our behalf, but also Paul's. His words, rather God's words, are so straightforward that they lay open our own hearts for self-examination. For me, two little words jump off the page. Inner man or inner self. Paul prays that our inner self might be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the indwelling of Jesus himself. The strengthening that is required for us is the strengthening of the inner self. It takes place inside of us. This phrase that Paul uses is unique to Paul. He uses it elsewhere in his other epistles. But what does he mean by the inner man, the inner woman? It is the interior of our being, the seat of personal consciousness and of our moral being. In a word, it's who we really are as individuals. Simon Walker some years ago wrote a book called Subversive Leadership. Now, his publisher thankfully made him change the title in the next uh, printing because it sounded like a how-to book on subversive leadership. Uh, But it was not that. But in it, uh, Simon Walker talks about that in all of our lives, we have a front stage and we have a backstage. That is, the front stage is our public persona, what the public sees, what our friends, our family, our most intimate of relationships what we want them to see about us, how we carry ourselves in this outer world. The front stage, if you will, is the outer self, the outer man, the outer woman. But as we have a front stage, we also have a backstage. And that is the interior of our life that most of us don't want other people seeing. And in fact, we spend most of our times arranging our lives in such a way to keep that which is backstage, backstage. But life being what it is, inevitably, stuff starts falling out onto the front stage. And we try to manage as well as we possibly can. But some of us have experienced crises in life and despair to the point that our backstage is a whole lot bigger than our front stage. And it seems even at times that our backstage might overwhelm us. Now this is not Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde, but rather the inner self is the total story of you. The outer self is indeed part of who you are, but you and I both know that that's not the whole story. 
It's not who we are in total. We're both front stage and backstage. The propensity for all of us is to think, well, what we need in life is to work on the outer man. Or at the very least, the outer man is where the work needs to be done. We need to learn how to better manage the inner self backstage. We need to better figure out ways to keep things from falling out onto the front stage. But in fact, what we need is the strengthening of the inner self who we are below the surface. And yet, we all know that there's nothing that we can do to change the inner self on our own. Haven't you tried? Haven't you attempted to thwart certain desires, develop better thoughts or patterns of behavior, to think more lovingly of those who are hard to love? At best, we can get the outer man into conformity, but we know that it's not true. It's just a projection of what we want people to see. This is made most manifest in my life by the making of lists. I find that making lists of things to do in my life just reminds me of what I've not done. Uh, and even simple things like cleaning up the garage or the basement, those dark places where we'd rather Jesus not go in our lives, uh, I go down there and I start organizing and I open up a box and it's like memory lane. I sit there and for two hours I just look through pictures and nothing gets done and the garage and the basement look worse. Yet the improvement of the outer self seems more practical and obtainable. But truth be told, even if we know it's our inner self that needs to be worked on, we'd rather not dwell on the inner self. We'd rather not think about it. We'd rather not deal with it. A couple of years ago, psychcentral.com, which is a blog for psychiatrists, talked about this front stage, backstage dynamic. The author wrote, we all have sides of ourselves that we want people to see more than others. And we do our best to consciously put these out there so people will have the impression of us that we want them to have. Consider it our desired image. However, what people don't often realize is that what we intend to cover up becomes easily visible to people in other ways. Whether it's in body language, undertones in speaking, general opinions, responses to conversations or certain questions, choices we make in life, how we dress, how we communicate, how we receive communication, etc., etc., we're much more visible to people than we all want to believe. And here's the important part. The author says, unfortunately, knowing this information is generally not enough to help people let go in social situations or even let go more easily in a relationship. This means that even with knowing that others can easily detect parts of us we don't want to show, that we're still hiding from something, ourselves. The satirical news source, The Onion, managed to capture the idea in a single headline when they wrote, Man was himself for 27 minutes today. Well, do you know when you tend to think about who you really are when you look into the backstage? 
what you're really dealing with in life in quiet moments, downtime, vacation, summertime. Research shows us that most in the United States have a very hard time with vacation. We have a very hard time with any downtime, any free time, because it tends to lead our hearts to do an inventory on our inner selves. I ran across a wonderful ran across a wonderful New Yorker cartoon that has this distressed man sitting in his at his in his office at his desk and he's on the telephone and he's saying, "I just want to go home, crawl into bed and do some more work." Or the one that I have perpetually before me in the summertime, I break it out and put it on my desk. It has this man talking on his cell phone, and he's holding a martini, and he's under this beach umbrella. And you can see behind him that his children are running excitedly up to him, decked out in beachwear. And his wife is standing at the top of the steps leading down to the beach, and she yells down at him, Okay, you, break's over. Time to resume summer vacation. You know, we have less and less time to be introspective in our lives today, not only because our hearts want to avoid it, but we've got plenty of excuses to fill our time. In fact, one of the things that researchers are aware of is that creative and imaginative thought is being reduced uh, because in that idle time is when you tend to think those great thoughts, those inspired thoughts. But now, instead of simply waiting for the elevator, what do we do? We break out our iPhones. When we're waiting for someone or for something, we sit on our iPhones and we look for all kinds of reasons and excuses to not actually engage with those deeper questions. But what I found is if you're right here, you're not right here. You aren't able to actually see into the backstage if you're constantly focused somewhere else. And even 2,000 years ago, St. Paul understands our condition. He understands the propensity of the human heart. He talks about it in Romans 7, that even if we are brought to a place where we understand who we are at the deepest of levels, we still do not have the ability to help ourselves. This is why St. Paul prays what he prays here in Ephesians. He prays that Christ would dwell in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be rooted and grounded, comprehending the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love for you, that we would be filled to fullness. One of the most prevailing feelings in human existence is the feeling of want. This constant, persistent nag in our lives that we're lacking. That we're lacking in looks. That we're lacking in material things. That we're lacking in confidence. That we're lacking in ability. Basically feeling that we simply fall short. But if we look into the backstage we realize that we actually do fall short. And that is why 
that at the heart of Paul's prayer is a request for power. He prays that we might know God's incomparable great might for us as believers in him. And so this strengthening that he talks about, this power, all comes from God himself. It's about him, Jesus, coming into our hearts. And we are brought by the Holy Spirit to a place where, yes, we cry, Uncle, that we can look honestly into the darkest of places in our lives. And we ask Jesus to come and save us, most especially our inner selves. And so Jesus surely walks out onto our front stage, but he passes by our projected self and heads directly to the backstage. In the hymn we just sung by Charles Wesley, uh, Wesley was a remarkable hymn writer and poet, as you probably already know. Uh, But he was the brother of John Wesley, who was the great Methodist evangelist, and his father was a minister. He grew up in the home of a minister and went off to Oxford to study theology and was ordained a priest in the Church of England. And he went off to the colony of Georgia as a missionary and assistant to Oglethorpe and was a missioner to St. Simon. Island, which sounds like a pretty good gig, but this was before the cloister was built. And so, uh, so he was there and they rejected him. They said, you're a terrible minister and we don't want to hear what you have to say. Go home. And so he went home to England dejected. And that was in 1738. But even though he had been ordained for three years, Charles Wesley realized he'd never been converted. Now, when he was at Oxford, he was a member of what the other students called the Holy Club. Right, that's what everybody in college wants to join, right? The Holy Club. And they would meet together daily for Bible reading, for prayer, for charitable works. In fact, Charles Wesley opened up an orphanage in Savannah, Georgia that's still there, that's still functioning as an orphanage. They did all of these great things. But what Wesley came to realize in 1738 was that the only effect that it had on his life was the outer man. Outwardly on the front stage, Charles Wesley was what all of us would want to be. He had his act together. He was this fine and decent and, dare I say, even Christian man. And yet he knew that his inner self had never been affected, that had never been touched by the Holy Spirit of God, that his heart had never been open to the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. And he knew that he was just treading water. And that if real change was going to take place in his life, it had to come from the inside out. And so he describes that moment of conversion in 1738 this way. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin in nature's night. My eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Do you long to experience the strengthening of your inner self? Do you, like Wesley, feel that you are dwelling in darkness and that try as you might, you can't turn it around? The backstage is closing in and things are falling out. Hear the words of St. Paul. He prays according to the riches of of his glory, 
God may grant you to be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith in Him, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. For Jesus Christ has crashed into this world, and He comes to you, and He walks into even the darkest places in your life, into your garages, into your basements, into your backstages, and He sees you there with soiled faces and fast bound in chains. And as hard as it is to look at Him, in His glory, in His holiness, and you want to avert your eyes, for your inner man is not like your outer man. He never turns his gaze from you. He looks at you with compassion and mercy and love. And he sets you free. And he transforms your heart by his grace and his mercy so that he begins to deal with your backstage. His death and His resurrection has secured this precious gift for you. And so even now, in this moment, simply turn to Him. As St. Paul says, take Him into your heart. Simply say, Jesus, come in and know and experience the power that He has to save even the darkest of backstages. Amen.